Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. There is something within us all which constantly pushes us forward, which demands continued progress. Inertia may hinder our paying much attention to this inner urge, but yet it is always there. It is what keeps us going ahead, sometimes almost against our will. It is an inherent quality of all humans, and it asserts itself whether we welcome it or not, because it is what we are. Our ourness demands expression. We are made in the image and likeness of God, and one cannot accept stagnation. Something protests against it. We must simply be moving forward into a higher and more satisfying spiritual stature. This divine discontent is a factor in our very makeup. And unless we are following its promptings, seldom will we be truly happy. We cannot get away from it because it is part of who we are. I think we all feel that urge for something more, something greater, something... uh, Something that, that's ourselves, only on a grander sale. Something that is uniquely us, a gift perhaps that only we can give to this universe, and yet something that we're not completely utilizing yet. Not something that's fully formed yet. I, I think of it as a, maybe our best self that is yet to come. That, that internal evolution of us simply being better at nothing more complicated than who I already am. Just, just taking it to that next level, taking it to the next plateau. And you'll remember this month, we're using that book, The Basics of Science of Mind, uh, to take that next step in our own lives. At the beginning of the month, I, I offered everyone the opportunity to, to play a little homework with me. And each one of us picked something in our own lives that we would like to improve upon, whether it's a, a glorious new relationship or an improving one we already have, whether it's improvement at work, whether it's something simple to a new and glorious apartment to something unimaginably stunning, we were asked to picture our lives as though we already had it. And the practice was five minutes in the morning and five minutes right before bed to actually visualize us in it, to to see that new relationship as vividly as we could, to imagine that new job and us in it, to to picture our lives with that that full-blown enhancement in place and really sense it and feel it and visualize it and own up to it and be a part of it. And so I want to do a little bit of personal check-in here. I got to tell you, things are already changing for me. Um, What I did, what I've been working on this month is a new level of financial freedom. Now, those of you who already know me probably are going, well, Larry, this is probably something you don't really need to work on, right? You have a nice house in town, one at the beach, you drive new cars, like what's up with financial freedom? My desire is to go to the next level to be a philanthropist. I want to be the one that can write that check. Do you know what I mean? Have you been to one of those, those big charity functions where there's a check the size of a billboard and, 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 and you know, the schnitzers have signed it? Or when, when Melinda and Bill Gates sign a check... Currently, it's one that I wouldn't be able to put that many zeros on. (laughs) And so my ideal is to be that philanthropist. And so 
I've in the morning and the evening been imagining me writing that big check. I've been feeling like I'm contributing to uh, global peace in a, in a very visceral way. I've had that feeling and been internalizing the level of wealth that would allow me to be a major player in the world of philanthropy. Now you might be asking, okay Larry then, how's that going? <laughs> Is it working for you? And I have to tell you, I have noticed some progress. Now my bank account specifically has not changed a whole lot, but something that has totally changed is when people talk about something and how much it costs. I used to do one of two things. I used to mentally say either, gosh, I can't afford that. Or I would say, yeah, that's, that's cool. I, I like the way she's spending that money. I might do that some way. Do you see what I mean? I, I fairly clearly differentiated between the things that were for me to have in life and those things that were beyond my means. You know what? I'm not really doing that anymore. I'm really thinking that everything was, is within my means. Now, it may be that I'm choosing not to have it right now, but do you see the difference there? I'm saying this is within my grasp. I'm just choosing not to have it right now. There will come the time when I may make a different choice. Before, I would simply just say, oh, that's too rich for my blood. That's beyond my means. And I would discount some of the things in my life that I think I will have someday. I think someday I will be able to contribute to the art scene here in Portland. I think that someday I will be able to write a check that has meaningful results in, in curing AIDS in Africa. Again, can you sense the sincerity in my voice? This is a change. Just from using this simple process for the last four weeks, my life has changed. So that's my check-in. And for those of you who are, are, are playing this little game with me, I hope maybe after the service some of us can check in in person. I do, though, want to talk about a few things that might stand in our way. This may not be perfectly smooth going to realize our personal goals in life, and I want to talk about something that might stand in the way. And I'll do that with a joke. <laughs> So the farmer decided it was time to trust his son, Willis, to drive a wagon load of corn into the cannery. Now the boy was a bit nervous about the trip, but his father reassured him, you've been driving the tractor. The wagon isn't that much harder, you'll be fine. So the son's now behind the wheel, and the wagon is loaded to the brim with corn. Unfortunately, on his way to the cannery, the wagon overturned. Corn everywhere. The boy, of course, is frantic. Well, a neighbor who lived nearby heard the noise and yelled over the fence, Hey, Willis, don't take it personal. It's your first time driving the big wagon. Come in and visit. We'll sort it out. Don't worry. Well, that's mighty nice of you, Willis answered, but I just don't think Pa would approve of interfering in that way. Oh, come on, boy, the farmer insisted. Your Pa isn't perfect either. Why, I could tell you a story or two about your dad. Come inside, we'll talk, I'll help you sort out this mess. Well, okay, the boy finally agreed and added, but Pa isn't going to be happy about it. 
Well, a nice conversation was then followed by a hearty dinner. And as the neighbor got up from the table, Willis thanked the host. I do actually feel a lot better now, kind of more settled about it. But I still think that Pa is going to be furious. Well, don't worry, my boy. If it'll ease your mind, we could phone him. We'll let him know that you're just going to be a little late while we pick the pieces up. Oh, I think he's figured that out, says Willis. He's under that corn somewhere. <laughs> it, is, it is the distractions in our life that will derail us. We may be very purposeful in our desire for a beautiful future. We may think that we have the, the way ahead of us for achieving a, a powerful new life or getting a better job or improving a relationship. But life happens, doesn't it? Aren't we thrown all kinds of left turns and curveballs? And it is the distractions of life, if you will, that, that have us off the path, that, that keep us from doing what we want to do. And, and I'm not here to suggest that there won't be distractions. That would be a very naive point of view to think that it will always be clear sailing. We will indeed always have that stubbed toe. Are you all familiar with the metaphysical stubbed toe? It, it, it's like you have a plan for something great and then everything unlike what you want <laughs> shows up suddenly. It's like, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. Life has a way of presenting us with obstacles, and I think that there's something that can see us through this. I want to play a little game with you all and see if we can't discover a way out of this conundrum. And in fact, we'll, we'll take the form. You know, it's been months and months and months since we've done our musical trivia here at church. And, uh, and some of you are going... We've done musical <laughs> trivia, so I'm, I'm going to have Adam in a second uh, play, play something for you. I'll give you a, a few clues so you can see if you can guess what it is. So it's the, the intro music for a very popular TV show. The TV show originally played in the 70s, and then it had one of those reboots in 2004. So this is the 2004 version of a very popular TV show. Now, I just need to say just a few things about Battlestar Galactica. Hugely popular, hugely popular. It won all kinds of awards, actually, for its writing, for its direction. And I think I know why. And I think it applies to us. I was reading a, a, a little bit about the creator of the, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. And you know, they did a very clever thing. They wrote the first two or three episodes first, Guess what the next episode that they wrote was? The last one. They wrote the last one before they had finished even 
half of the season. And for those of you who know that opening sequence, how does that opening sequence work? It's very clever. So while that music is playing uh, across the screen, it says the Cylons were created by man. And then you see this metal contraption stomping out. And then it says they rebelled. And you see a nuclear holocaust where the Cylons literally bombed the heck out of the home world. They evolved. And then you see these very sexy people getting out, well, and they are kind of, getting out of a spaceship. And then it says, they look and they feel human now. Then it says, some of them are even programmed to think they are human. And the very last line as the music is fading is, and they have a plan. Yeah, I know. This isn't your typical outer space shoot 'em up thing where there's always the evil aliens and the earth people are just like, oh no, not the lasers, you know? It's like, it's like they had a plan. And I got to tell you, every week people were tuning into that because they wanted to see how the plan unfolded. They wanted to know what the end result was. They wanted to know whether the earth people were going to win or whether the Cylons were going to win. And, and for those of you who haven't seen it yet and may want to binge watch on Netflix, <laughs> I'm not actually going to tell you what the plan is. And it's even a little ambiguous at the end as to who actually does win because of this plan. Well, the reason we kept watching week after week after week is because they were shooting for that last episode. They didn't know it was even going to last for five or six seasons. All they knew was that each episode, each step in the evolution of this TV was headed towards that most amazingly written final episode. And so that each step, each episode, each new character that got introduced, each each problem was all towards that view, that plan, that final episode where everything gets tied up and everything is wonderful and perfect and we need a plan. I think that the only thing that stands in our way of seeking out the life and actually having it is a lack of plan. That if we have that compelling vision of what our life is like or could be like or shall be like, if we've written the last episode, have you ever thought about writing the last episode in your own life? See, I think there's a huge power there. And I'm not talking about your deathbed scene. That, we'll, we'll leave that for the opera. No, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking about a really compelling TV series where you're the star. In the last episode, right? You should have everything you want in the last episode. Your, your life should be fulfilled in the last episode. You really come into your own, that sense of being and doing and, and success and love and, and the outrageousness and beauty of life is yours. That's the last episode. Have you plotted yours out yet? Because I think if you do, if you, like the Cylons, actually have a plan... I think you'll get there. I think it will help you on a day-to-day basis, taking one foot in front of the other, knowing that that plan of what is it? Is it, is it true love? Is it a plan of, of great success? Is it a plan of being a, a philanthropist, a, you know, a one-up level of financial freedom? Once you have your plan in place, 
Oh my gosh, the decisions get easier. People run to, to collaborate with you. The a sense of accomplishment on a daily basis can be there. The, the enthusiasm uh, uh, can take advantage of, uh, of your own interest in moving forward when, when we have a plan. So how do we go about making a plan? You know, I think it can be actually pretty simple. And, uh, and like the Cylons, and again, I promise not to give it away, their plan was a pretty simple one. And I would suggest this month, we already have the mechanics necessary for building a plan. So, so what was our plan this month was simply to imagine one area of our life where we would like to make some awesome progress, whether it be a loving relationship, to the next level, whether it be a great new job that would take you to the next level of employment, whether it be a, a, a home situation greatly improved or a family issue resolved. Each of us came up with something, and then we learned the tool of, of visualizing and using our inner creativity to build a mental equivalent to, to move us forward in that. What if we used that same mechanism over and over again to move us forward. Now you'll see it's still a loose plan. It isn't like you have to, to know your, I don't know, your ultimate destiny, <laughs> right? We could, we could go over to the force and, <laughs> and talk about another science fiction show. And, and I, you know, some of us are into that and that's okay, but I think it's actually enough of a plan if we have some clarity of where we're going for now. So that next area in your life you want to work on, you work on it, you use the spiritual tools, you get support here at the center, you maybe take a class and focus on that thing, and then when that thing, you're feeling good about it, when it's complete, the next chapter, the next episode, right, is to choose another one. Choose another area in your life where you'd like to really see some progress, where you'd like to make a, a new kind of success, where something important is waiting for you. Simply choose something else and then begin moving forward again. This can be something that will have you, I think, in great shape for moving forward. There's another thing, though, that I want to talk about, which is a little more grander than that. I bet that there's something in almost everyone in this room, a dream that has persisted for some time. Something beyond the day-to-day -day kind of average life. I, I, I mean, all of us have a plan, don't we? Maybe I should have started there, in fact. Don't we already have a plan? We get up every morning and our plan is to have breakfast. And then our, our plan has us get dressed. And then we go off to work or on Sunday, maybe we come here. That's part of the plan. And then the, the plan is maybe to have brunch after this. Or come, please come to the court cultural cafe. There, there's part of our plan, right? But is that really a plan in the sense of where you want to be in 10 years? But I bet if someone had asked you when you were seven or eight years old, before we piled a whole lot of corn on top of ourselves, <laughs> the metaphor, right? <laughs> you knew it was coming. Before a whole lot of corn got piled up to us, didn't we have an idea? I'm going to be the world's best teacher. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be so great in sports. I'm going to represent, I'm going to be the, the, I don't know, the first Italian-American on the moon or, you, you know, 
that we had dreams when we were like seven and eight years old, and they are still actually there. Now, the form may have switched a little bit, right? Success may be something different to a a 20, a 30, or a 40-year-old than it was to a seven-year-old, of course, and that makes sense. But I bet everyone in here still has a dream of self-expression, that everyone in here still has something that they can do that perhaps no one else on the planet can do as well as you can do. This is part of your plan. Do you see? As we visualize this, as we commit to it, as we build it into our heart and our thinking, this can be the plan, like Battlestar Galactica, that we're focusing in as we write chapter by chapter by chapter. doesn't mean we have to quit our existing job right now. It doesn't mean we have to get a divorce right now and you know put all of our attention on one thing. But oh my gosh, as we make... Small decision by small decision by small decision in our lives. When that magnificent last chapter is already written for us, things get easy. There's some clarity into it. We notice when the trick is when the truck is starting to tip and the corn's getting loaded onto us, don't we? We can say, wait a minute, I'm not having any of this. This isn't part of my plan. This isn't where I'm headed. And when the left turn happens, when that thing happens that derails us or or our friends and family, God bless them, starts kind of pushing us in a direction we don't want to go, when we have a plan, we say, sweetie, I love you, and this isn't part of my plan. I appreciate your feedback, you know. I would love to take care of you for the next 27 years. (laughs) And and I will do my best to honor that to be your desire, but it's not part of my plan. Do you see how not having a plan gets us in trouble? Do you see it? When when we're floating, you know, uh, I think there's an idea that hanging loose is a good thing. And in short term, it is. In the shortest possible term, being flexible and hanging loose Oh my gosh, I love people that are like that, right? Because it's like, where should we go to eat? Oh, I don't care so much. Mexican's fine. Italian's fine. You know, I'm kind of loose. I'd like to try it all. I just want to be with you, right? Isn't it fun to be people like that? But what if you base your whole life on that? Oh, go to college, study for a job, McDonald's, you know, fast food, chef, It's all the same, really. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Let us have a plan. (laughs) The plan moves us along. The plan brings us to our excellence. The plan allows that dream that we had to unfold. But is it enough to have the plan? I want to read one more short piece from this book. From the mental equivalent part of our endeavor, that's the dream, right? That's the end state we want to reach. From the mental equivalent part of our endeavor, we now move to the right action part. Yes, this is where the work occurs. If you do not give us continuous attention, you need not expect much of a return. It will demand your constant affirmative thinking and right action. 
The good you have chosen and planned in the realm of cause requires definite action on your part, and it needs to be right action. God does for us what God does through us. When you planted your garden, you knew it would require tending all summer. Now you have planted some great, sincere, worthy desire in the realm of cause, and you must just as sincerely be willing and eager to do your objective part in order that it shall be fully developed for you. This is right action. This is taking steps that are in alignment with that end dream, right? Uh, Again, back to Battlestar Galactica, very cleverly plotted. Each episode added a little more, and the characters were developed a little bit more to reach that culmination of where they were going. That's really no more than what we're asking here. If your dream is to have a fabulous new career, right, might need to study for it. You might need to find what parts of the country that particular, uh, that particular career is in the most demand and where the jobs are easier to find and more highly paid. You might want to do some research on that career to see if it's really suited to you, if the hours work for you, if the flexible time that you desire is in it for you, right? There are all kinds of things you need to do step by step by step as you're realizing that dream. But you know what? The dream itself is compulsive in a way. It's what Ernest Holmes said in the very beginning of the reading. There's that, there's that urge to progress. There's that desire to be better. There's that, that uh, zeal with which version two and then version three of yourself comes into being. I think that's why so many of us become lifelong learners. Why so many of us are interested in um, what does the future have? Why so many people uh, develop hobbies and other things? It's knowing that we're not finished, knowing that there is another chapter. Well, I'm going to close today with a couple bits of help. First of all, I want you to know that this center is here as help. This isn't a, a one up kind of an exercise that we did this month. I think all of us are on the path of spiritual evolution. All of us are becoming ever better versions of ourselves, and we're here to help. Through prayer requests, through meeting with practitioners, through taking classes, through taking notes on Sunday, through taking me up on sometimes my odious homework that I assigned you all, through all of those ways and means, you are moving closer and giving the tool and the support to do that. We literally are here for you. The other thing though, I think is, and a place to start if you're in doubt, is to recognize that you're worth it. I think so many of us might say, well, I could do that, or maybe even I should do that, that he's right, that that dream that I've always had since I was a little girl of, I don't know, mentoring other young women or whatever it might be, that's a great dream, but I wonder if I'm just up for it. I wonder if it's really right for, for me. And then the self-doubt, some of the ideas of not being worthy come on. I gotta tell you, we can be our own worst nightmare. We can be the, both the truck and the corn and being buried under it all at the same time. You are worth it. 
If you can't take your own word for it, take my word for it. Each person in this room is worthy of a great life and a great input into life for other people. Everyone here is a spark of the divine. When it says that we were created in God's image, God doesn't create junk. God creates things that are beautiful and powerful and worthy. So if ever creeps into your mind somehow that idea that 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 vision is just too big for poor little me, or that idea that that I'm not up for it, I'm not smart enough, I'm not talented enough, I gotta tell you, it's just BS. You are worthy of it. You are capable of it. It's your dream to be expressed. Would God ever give you a dream of your own self that cannot be expressed in this world? Of course not. It's not part of the plan. So I'm going to close with a final reading from the book today and a prayer. This is how Ernest Holmes uh, closes out this book, The Basic Ideas of Science of Mind. Such a way of thinking does not belong to any sect, to any group, to any class, and most certainly not to any one person. There is no claim of a special revelation here. Rather, for this particular system of directed thought has been gathered together from facts through all the ages, through all peoples, from all philosophies, and all religions. Using practical methods, which any other science research would use, it is able to, and does, present a science of mind with a message of eternal freedom. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one love. There is this, this one thing. I choose to call it God. I know, that, I know that goes by many names. Some people call it Allah. Some people call it the divine feminine. But no matter what it's called, it is all there is. All of the good in this universe summarized and, and encompassed by this one thing. And because of that, I know it has to mean me. I know that each person in this room is part of that divine construction, that, that divine creativity also created us. And so we stand here as divine sparks of light, each one of us. And so moving forward in my life, I, I know that I reach for those high goals, that I, I choose to become the best possible Larry King. I, I choose my dreams to unfold in magnificence. And as it, is, as it is true for me, I know it is possible for each person in this room to become their highest best self. I know that it is possible for each person here to develop a plan of improvement, to develop their own selves into that that magnificence that was us in our metaphysical state. Before the corn got dumped on us, but before life caught up to us, each one of us born in purity, in wonder, and in greatness. And I'm just simply grateful for this awareness, simply grateful for for God showing up here every Sunday as the hearts and the hands and the minds of the people right in this room. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thanks so much for being here today. So glad you joined us. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 
Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.